You're listening to Paddle Up, Little Adventures with Lisa and Craig. We're a married couple that believe in the power of experiences, because experiences are what lead to an impactful life. Now, let's Let's brace brace for for impact. impact. Welcome back to Paddle Up, Episode 8, Ups and Downs. Pretty appropriate for today, huh? Yeah, yeah, we're recording this here today on a Sunday, which is, and we really have, we have no kiddos today, and it's beautiful outside, it's 80 degrees and sunny, it's the, kind of the end of the summer, and it's just been kind of a rough day and trying to get stuff done and not being able to accomplish much. Yeah, I'm the type of person that likes to make a list, check it off, feel accomplished, and it just seems that today just is stop and start and not really crossing that finish line of accomplishments. So I'm a little frustrated, it's a little bit of a downer. All right. So let's go back to maybe a little happier times. Here. Yeah, let's, let's start there. That might be a good way to start the podcast. <laughs> so the idea behind this this episode was just talk about, like we've, I guess, talked about previously too, how our life, our relationship, our pickleball, our, just our, our little adventures can, can have some highs and some lows, some ups and some downs. And um, just still trying to catch up from the summer. We had teased a couple episodes ago about going out west or talking about out west. And so let's start with there. Let's start with our, our fairly recent, still fairly recent trip out to Montana back in uh, July of this year. Yeah. So we went with some good friends of ours, Chris and John, to Montana for a two-week vacation. We stayed in a beautiful, we found a log cabin um, just to ourselves. Yep. Yep, Through Airbnb, um, just so that we could have a nice space to call home for those two weeks. And upon getting to it, it was just beautifully nestled, maybe a little bit difficult to get to at night as we were driving our rental car. I was snoring, so I was not really attuned, but I heard stories the next day about how difficult it was to get to the cabin. Well, but you fast forwarded a bit there. So, um, Oh, I did. Yeah. So talking about talking talking about ups and downs here, um, you'll you'll get, you'll hear this throughout the episode. We're going to talk, we're going to preface pretty much every section with an up and a down. So on this trip, we had several ups heading out there. Yes. Um, The up was, is we did something different that we've never done before. Usually when Craig and I take vacations, it's usually by car or by plane. This time we went by, I just said that wrong. We went by car or airplane. By, you said that, This right? time we went by train. You said it just perfectly, it's, honey. It's been a long Sunday here. So we actually booked train, Amtrak, um, Empire Builder yeah, to it's go called, out to Montana. The route's called Empire Builder. End to end, it goes from Chicago to Seattle. We didn't quite do the whole length. We started up in Columbus, Wisconsin, which is just north of Madison. It is the most rinky-dink little train station and blinking you miss it. And you'd never see it. it's this little tiny town it's this little gra- um gravel lot but yeah we we got there and we we waited for the train to arrive and by gosh it showed we, up i think we got on at five or six yeah five o'clock five or six yeah. so we jumped on and it we got a little sleeper car so we got to sleep overnight because from columbus to Glacier, Big which fork. is White Whitefish, Whitefish Bay, Whitefish, is yes. where the train station dropped us off at, and we picked up our rental car. That was twenty eight hours or twenty nine. Twenty eight hours on the train. Twenty eight hours on yes. the train. Now that might seem like a lot, but it was an overnight. So we we slept on the train, which was a first for us, and that was that was that was an up too. I mean, we got to be in the observation car, which 
was its own separate car that you could go into that had kind of like seats and booze so that we took cards and cribbage and uno and passed the time there. But the sides and above us were all open so you could see the countryside. You say open, by. it was like panoramic glass. Yes, glass like thing. panoramic glass. So mm-hmm. that was really cool. Um, and we ate dinner, you know, when and when you think about it, eating on a train, like how good can that be? Well, Craig and I watched a lot of YouTube videos about this Amtrak Empire Builder train and about the food. And I knew, because I love steak, that I was going to get the flat iron steak. They raved about it in all the YouTube videos. So I got that for dinner the first night. Um, We hopped on. We had dinner about 7.30 after we hopped on at the Columbus and the train started getting going. And by gosh, golly, it was delicious. So all of you people that put your rave reviews on YouTube and posted it, you are absolutely correct. Um, And it was it was a great dinner. I mean, you had an appetizer, a main entree, dessert. Uh, yeah, when you had side dishes, you had like it was mashed potatoes and roasted or uh, baked beans or great. It's not baked beans, sorry, like green beans. Yeah, and it was it. So it was fabulous. I mean, don't don't laugh when I think that you know an Amtrak dinner or a breakfast is just well, ordinary food. It was pretty amazing to have that type of meal on a train. Yeah, the ambiance was cool because you're sitting. Next to a window in a train car that's going rolling along at 80 miles an hour across the western prairies. So you're just getting to see these cool sights and watching the sun go down. You're having the steak dinner with a beverage and talking to your friends. And it was it was quite the experience. Yeah. So I, I was really happy to have done that and kind of checkmarked that off on our list of travels that we actually traveled by train for across the United States for a good 28, 29 hours in a sleeper car. I thought that was kind of pretty cool. You mentioned sleeper car. We kind of glossed over that too. So there's several sizes of what we call them sleeper cars. We got the smallest one. It's called the Roomette. Hard to explain here, but it's a alcove with a couple of facing seat seating seats. Yeah, the um, seats faced face each other, each other at, at and you had level. the window that you could see outside if you wanted to sit in your seat or car and so that those pairing that pair of facing seats folded down into a very small like twin size bed and then above you was a almost like a murphy bed it was folded up up against the wall so the the train car attendant comes through while you're having dinner and he changes everything he changes these facing seats into a bed and he puts the, the bedding on the pillow then he flips the the upper bunk down and, and makes that uh and puts the sheets up and makes that bed for you so when you come back from dinner it's all made up yeah, as made up as it is, it's there's not much there. It's you know it's it's pretty minimalistic as far as um, you know bedding goes in terms of travel. Yeah, and and we had already determined once we saw what the room looked like when we got on the car that you would probably take the lower bed because you're a little bit taller, and I and I'm only like five 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 six, so the upper bunk probably was going to be for me, which was fine. And I didn't necessarily know what an experience would be like sleeping on a train, so I was. I tried to be prepared and brought and took Dramamine mm-hmm. just because I didn't know how the car would rock back and forth. I mean, you and I have gone on cruises and we've been on some rocky cruises where the Dramamine really did help um, calm our stomachs. Yeah. So I took one of those about an hour before we went to bed. Um, you hoisted me, even though there's these little steps, um, you kind of hoisted my little butt up into the... <laughs> the, the You're not lying. Up ...above my where the bed was. Um, cause I was in the upper and, um, it wasn't my worst night of sleep, but it wasn't my 
it wasn't great either. I mean, it was, I mean, I got a good night's rest. I woke up a couple of times throughout the night just because I wasn't really sleeping the way I normally would sleep. And, you know, it would be, the train would jerk every once in a while and I would wake up, but I, I really did just roll over, put my head back down and I was out again. So even though I was up two or three times throughout the night, which isn't what I typically am in our regular bed at home, um, I, I thought it was great. I was really happy we had that experience. So thank you, John, because our friend John was the one who thought that might be a cool thing for us to do on our way out there. So a definite up when it came definite to going up. out the glacier in Montana. I would train. highly suggest anybody um, research that Empire Builder and the Amtrak train and um, take a glance at it and see. It's it's a great way to view the countryside. It's a little more expensive than like a normal flight would norm- would normally be, but it's worth the experience and you get the meals and just kind of hanging out. You get way more freedom of movement than you would in an airplane, though you're also at the expense of 28 hours versus, you know, what would be a three or four hour flight. So there is that too. But for yeah. the novelty of the experience of it, yes, highly recommend it. Very much an up in terms of our trip out there. Um, so yeah, once we got to Whitefish, then we drove, we got there pretty late, like at 10 o'clock and we drove in the rental car, which you said you slept through. Yeah, because it was pretty late. We got into Whitefish Bay, I think at around 9.30 or 10 o'clock at night. And Whitefish Bay to Big Fork, where our cabin was, was about an hour drive. So... Whitefish, not Whitefish Bay. Oh, sorry, Whitefish. You are correct, honey. And it was about an hour from there to Big Fork, where our cabin was. And so, of course, it's late. I'm tired. I zonked out in the back seat um, with my friend Chris. And you and John were in the front, in the rental car, trying yep. to find our cabin in the dark. Up a mountain. Which, a bit of a puzzle, but we did find it because we get the GPS and you know cellular data is fairly limited there. But we did find it and we got we got to two bed and the to your you said earlier cabin was beautiful. It was just very spacious and just very cool. Um, which then led to kind of the meat of the vacation, which uh I guess the core of it being you're in Glacier, you're in a national park, you go hiking. So we we did several really, really cool hikes out there that I I've never had the experience to try before like the, the, well, the sites and, and people scenery. who are listening probably know that there are 10 million hikes in glacier national park yeah. i really didn't realize how big first of all montana is as yeah. a state scale i had no yeah. idea the scale um but also i didn't realize until you we did some research because this trip actually was about and i would highly suggest this to people that want to take a trip out there it was about seven to eight months in the making and I say that because of all of the different types of reservations you need out there for some of these hikes oh. and just your yeah, we had a, that accommodations. Was a bit of a challenge. Um, I don't want to say that's necessarily a downer, but you, if you are not a person who travels and doesn't like to be prepared and you just are spur of the moment traveler, glacier don't go, is don't not go to Glacier you. because it's not for you. Yeah. But there are so many different hikes that we did a variety um, we did some that are less strenuous. That was just a mile in. And we did some 12, 13 milers too that were just gorgeous that took all day. Yeah. The, the the two big ones we did, one was kind of an ad hoc one because we had struggles with trying to get there in time and weather and what have you, but um, uh, Gunsight Pass, which was, which was a very, very wild um, I thought it was going to get eaten up by a bear. Yeah, I, I really wild, did. Like, it was probably the most uh, scariest hike I've ever been you're, on. You're walking through five foot thick undergrowth, nothing scratchy or like briar wise, but just very thick. The, the trail is what? 
maybe a foot wide and it's just you can barely see it because all the the undergrowth that you're plowing through. So if this doesn't give you a little idea, we went on that hike with probably two or three other couples and they all said, oh no, Craig, you go first. So we we call them bear bait, um, but we were very prepared. I mean, because there are bears there, I'm sure we passed one that was very close and we didn't even realize it because of the growth of the plants and and bushes and trees that were around us because there wasn't much width on this trail but you had two bear sprays bear sprays one in each hand yep and he was prepared and we he actually i said don't you have some music because they don't like it when you have music so he's like oh i do have one spotify playlist downloaded i'm like put it on baby put it on just to have some music around us we're blasting music out of a phone while i'm holding two bear sprays and the whole time we're walking but every five ten seconds one of us would yell you said it hey bear here we come. Yep. <laughs> At least we've documented it now so we will never forget when we're 80 years old what we said and how many. I mean, we must have said that like 200 times. Over the Craig, course of like four I. or five hours. And then on the way back out that trail, it started raining, which I didn't mind, but it was it got really muddy and kind of messy. So Yeah, but with this, I call it a thicket of stuff we had to get through, the end point was such a... An amazing site. It was Florence Falls. Florence Falls, yeah. And it was one of the most beautiful waterfalls I've ever seen in my entire life. There was one comparable when we went to Costa Rica. Um, but this one was just and was just gorgeous. But one of the things that popped into my mind while I was envisioning that waterfall again was we ran across two park service people mm-hmm. on this hike and they actually were really happy that we were actually on this hike. And we were like, well, well, why? And they said, most people that hike out here in Glacier National Park don't do this trail because it is so grown up, so rugged. thick. That's the word and I was looking it's for. It's rugged, Very yes. rugged. Um, and really, the last, how far in, when, when we almost got to the falls, how much farther was that? Where the where the growth was like- It was, a, it was as tall as you almost. It was as tall as me. It was up yeah. to my shoulders. So if you can imagine hiking through- or just hiking a very narrow path and you've got plant growth and stuff growing up to your shoulders and I'm five five. That's as I far almost, as you can see too, but as far three as feet I could see, I almost said, Where is our like machete? Yeah. You needed almost a machete to get through and then all of a sudden it broke open and there were these beautiful Florence waterfalls. Yeah, and they said the Florence ones were the tallest in the park tallest or biggest or something to that effect but again very few people see it because at the end of this very very difficult trail most people don't want to be that adventurous i guess because those park rangers were very excited to see i'll say quote-unquote regular hikers attempt this but i can see why because it's one of the most beautiful waterfalls i can imagine and the um the the other big hike we did was grinnell glacier trail because you can't go to glacier national park without seeing the glaciers had to do it had to do it so that was we took a day in between like you don't do two long hikes there back to back if you want but good luck to you yeah um so we took a day off and did a smaller trail and then we did grinnell glacier and that was probably a 12 13 mile hike um in total and the last the last bit of it, again, was very arduous. You're walking up steep steps, um, but again- You're climbing. You're climbing, but when you when you get to that part and you see the lake, Grinnell Lake, and the glaciers, 
one of the most amazing sights I've seen thus far in my lifetime. Yeah, you get to the end of the trail and there's this giant glacier that's coming down off the mountaintop and it ends in this glacial lake and the water, the color of the water was the funkiest color blue I've ever seen. Yeah. And I swear that water was colder than ice. It was like super, you've heard of super chilled water where you pull a water bottle out of the freezer, it looks liquid, but if you just touch it or shake it, it instantly turns to ice. That's what this felt like. It looked like, it looked and felt like um, if you like threw something into it, it would just like instantly freeze into solid ice. It was just amazing. And some of the lakes that we actually passed by too were oh, so Grinnell blue. Lake. Gr- yeah, but that Grinnell Lake, they told us what it, the turquoise aquacolor. was called because of the flower. What was that? Glacial flower. Glacial flower. Yeah. Or moon moonflower? No, nope. glacial flower. Glacial flower. So Google that because that's the reason why the water is that color. The re- good science lesson there for you. If I if I tease you, I'll let you do the rest of the research on your own there. I'm calling it moonflower from now on though. Moonflower. <laughs> <laughs> Lunar flower. But that was those are just some epic hikes. Um, again, there are um, a million of those. There was another one I oh, wanted to do. Dozens and dozens um, and dozens. What was the one that I wanted to do? That was another one that was on the edge, but you don't like heights. High, high line trail. Yeah, I wanted to do the high line trail. I don't know if I'm going to get Craig back out there to do that one because it's really on the edge of the rock. Picture picture a trail that looks a lot like a windowsill that goes on for miles and you're like up 400 feet above a bunch of sharp rock. And yeah. That's, that's, that, I wanted to do that. We like. just didn't have enough days. I mean, we, again, we had an an Excel spreadsheet um, with all of our hikes and alternatives. And um, our friend John, who had been out there before, said we really need to have a backup for every day. So we had plan B and plan A and plan B for For each day. day. Because they said if it's raining on one side of the park, it might not be raining on the other side. So we really had different hikes scheduled for each day on opposite sides of the park, just so that we weren't kind of like fumbling and going, uh... It's raining. What do we do now? Now what? Yeah. And so so as far as um, hikes go, definitely an up when you're at Glacier. And if you're into hiking or you're interested in hiking, that is a bucket list place to go. It gets busy and you have to plan it. Yeah. Um, they're just getting to certain areas of the park. It takes up to three different vehicle reser- reservations based on where you're at. It gets, it gets kind of convoluted. It gets confusing, and it probably, but the main one is the going to the Sun Road. But it probably changes. I think it changes. It's it's all experimental. They say so it could change at the end of even the season. So so to dive into the details, it really isn't worth it because it's probably not even the same as when we were there in July. Or it's going to change very soon. So yeah. make sure you do your homework. I guess is the key there. Yeah, and it goes back to that planning. We did our planning at least seven months ahead, and also we went in the middle of July and we had great weather. So that's another up. Yeah, I mean, we lucked out. We did mention rain there in a couple of trails, but the rain was very localized, especially when in the mountains because it would come and go. An hour, yeah, an two hour hours at a time. time, but then after that, it would just be beautiful. But also, um, on the going to the Sun Road to one of the hikes, I said, "Oh my gosh, what is that way high up in the air?" And it was when we took that red bus tour, and the tour guide actually said, "Well, that's the snow marker." And I went, "Uh, you're kidding?" Oh yeah, that's right. Remember yeah, that? It was like pole? a stick, like fifteen feet high, with a little red dot on top, and. The- so you would think, like, from we're from Wisconsin, that, oh, we could go out to Glacier National Park in June and it'll be just fine. No, they still have lots of well, snow in June. We were out there middle of July. I forget the date. It's like 15th through the whatever it was. Yeah. But the point was, when we were, one of our guides had said in 2022, when, when that same day last year in 22, the road was still, roads were up and the mountains were still closed due to snow. In the yeah. middle of July. So we just had lucked out. I mean, yeah. the snow had melted, but yeah, don't don't plan your trip there for, for June. I would do 
middle to late July. Um, so lots of ups. Yeah, lots of ups. But always with ups, there's a couple of downs. So what would you call a down going out to Montana and Glacier? Well, I'd like to continue on the upward trend and talk about how we played a little bit of pickleball there because that was definitely an up. Oh, that's true. Yeah, good point. Yeah, let's add to that. I, I, that was you're, you're very right. Correct. We always take our paddles. I mean, it doesn't matter where we go because we never th- know what we might trip over. So we always have our pickleball paddles in tow. Um, I like to carry mine in my carry-on just because I like to have it close to me. I don't like it in my suitcase because people tend to throw your suitcases around when I when they get checked. So we both took ours and Chris and John took theirs as well. And we found this, I should say you found this really cool place um, right outside of Big Fork. And it was called the Two Rivers Pickleball Club. You know, I kind of talk about what that cool place looked like. Yeah, it was a great venue. It was Two Rivers Pickleball Club, and it was housed with what they called the Jewel Convention Center or something of that nature. It was a newer building. Um, they have a separate area for events, weddings, that kind of stuff. But then they also had a combination of indoor courts, I think three indoor courts. Yeah, I think so. And then six or eight outdoor courts with a whole patio and a kind of an in, inside-outside bar. And you had the backdrop of the mountains, and it was just, just wonderful. And in, in talking to... Um, the staff there, they actually held open plays. They had some advanced open plays and they, where we can come rent a private court. So we actually did a couple of those. I think we did both. We did one night, we played with Chris and John and just, just the four of us, right? Yeah. And then we went back and did an open play, which was really cool because you get to play with different people and different skill levels. And that was this, neat. It was really neat because this open play was, wasn't it 4 and above? That's right. Cause they checked our duper. Yeah. They wanted to make sure we, we were 4 we or were above. Legit. Um, but that was really cool because, as pickleball players know, some 4-0 players in Utah might look differently than 4-0 players in Maine. That happens um, all the time. Happens all the time. So it was really an interesting couple of hours. I think we were there two or three hours for that open play. And it was really cool. The people were just great, as most pickleball players are. It was very social, but very good play, competitive games um, against people in Montana that we had never played against. So we always enjoy that. So that was really up and and we played really really well so i was really happy with that opportunity to insert some pickleball into our montana trip whenever whenever we can find good pickleball play when we're on the road somewhere i don't know it just always it's it just adds an extra star to the to the review of that trip i don't know why i just feel so good it's very fulfilling yeah so like right now we're trying to figure out where we're going to go in the Wisconsin dead of the winter in February of 2024. And of course, as we open up all these tabs on our Chromebooks, we're, okay, well, if we go there, do they have pickleball? Do they have yeah. open play? What what kind of courts do they have? Because we always like to insert that or weave that in. Yeah. So sorry, you're right. That was very much an up. Yeah, uh, I didn't want to miss that because that was a great yeah. um, addition to our two weeks there. What about downs now, hon? Well, the flight home, as we as we loop back on how it ended. I mean, the up was that we got to go out there on a train. That was such a great experience. Mm -hmm. But then leaving Big Fork to um, Uh, Bozeman, Bozeman, that was a five-hour drive. Again, I'll reiterate, Montana is a very big state. So the five-hour drive was a long drive just to get to the airport. And as that five hours occurred... We were getting texts of thunderstorms in Denver because it wasn't um, a nonstop flight. It was going from Bozeman to Denver. One hop, yep. And then Denver to Milwaukee. So we were getting, hey, your flight is delayed two hours. 
And then an hour would pass. No, it's back up an hour. It was just back and forth. So we were just trying to figure out when to have dinner. Um, and i.e. like dinner through a drive-thru, i.e. dinner through a sit-down restaurant. And so, again, I think I've echoed enough that I am I like to be prepared and I like to be places before the flight lands. Um, that was a little rough because we decided to sit down at a restaurant. And then as we sat down, of our flight got bumped back up. So we tried to eat as fast as we could to get our butts back in the car, to get the car rental back at the airport and get through and checked in. So, so that re- was a little stressful. To recap, I don't forget the exact times, but let's say our original flight was at five and then suddenly it was like they pushed it back to like seven and eight in rapid succession. So was, like you said, we kind of went back and forth. We okay, thought we had time to sit, sit down. down. We sit down and it went from like eight to like 6.30 to six as we're eating. So suddenly it went from we have tons of time to, hey, we're late within literally a two-course meal at a family sit-down restaurant. So again, I'm sitting in the back of the rental car, kind of hyperventilating, and Craig sending me really sweet texts saying that it'll be all right and that we won't have our flight, um, we won't miss our flight. But to John's, you know, John, who had been to Montana before, had tried to share with us that Bozeman Airport was really small, so to get through it wouldn't be that much of an issue. However, we got there, and because of all the delays in Denver, the line to check in was long, and people were having issues and trying to talk to the sales agents there weren't, redoing. Enough, there weren't enough gate agents or peop, uh, air, uh, airline staff to deal with the line that had yeah. built up but we got on our flight finally and finally. Cl- and, and rather close it was very <laughs> shave, close yeah. and then we get up in the air and then we get to denver which is like an hour or an hour and 10 minutes is supposed to be yeah and, they and we're said, circling when we took off they said we'd leave we get there early and we're circling yeah. and i'm thinking why are we not landing and then the wonderful pilot comes on and says so we've had to make a decision i'm like well this is never good honey and he said we have to we've decided to land the plane in colorado springs because they were running out of gas yeah the plane's running out of gas that's always a good thing for the pilot to say is they had to make a decision because they were very reassuring very low on fuel because the denver airport had closed they weren't due to the storms due to the thunderstorms so I know as as we get older, honey, you're not really a big good flight passenger. So to go back down What are you talking about? I love flying. To come back up was I was like, "Oh my gosh." So we landed in Colorado Springs and the pilot said it would just be very quick. We sat inside the airplane for almost 2 hours. Very quick in airline parlance means what? 2 and a half hours I think sitting in an airplane on the Yep, and so two hours later, we got finally lifted off again in Colorado to make maybe a half an hour, maybe maybe not even up in the air, a half an hour to get down back down to Denver. And then, of course, I'm looking at my app because we're thinking our flight from Denver to Milwaukee was to leave the airport at 11. Well, it was like 11.45 by the time our plane landed. And literally, we got off. I was looking at the app. Okay, we're at Terminal 29. We have to get to Terminal 45. Okay, Craig, I know what direction we need to run. I felt like I was on the amazing race. And then Chris and John just said, just go. And so here, Craig and I are literally running through the Denver airport. I have my purse. I have my carry-on bag. And we're sprinting. Mm -hmm. 
and sprinting. For a long way. It was a long, it's Denver. It's a, it's a big airport. And you might say, okay, Lisa, but you could have had some technology notification of whether or not your flight from Denver to Milwaukee was delayed. We did. And when we got off of the plane, it was on the board and said it was still there. Yeah. We started running halfway through. Of course, you know, I am, I'm, I'm not in my 20s anymore. I had to stop and I stopped next to a board and I thought to myself, oh, crap. The flight wasn't there anymore. It disappeared off the board. So like, then as if it took off, we, it gone. we ran even faster. And here we're huffing and puffing. We finally get to the, the terminal. The gate, and, yeah. Yeah, the gate. And I'm like, is the flight still here? And? Yeah, we ran up to the gate agent saying, oh my God, we're, we're Milwaukee. Is the flight still here? Did we, did we miss it? And he looked at us like, no, it's not even here yet. We got like another hour and a half to wait. <laughs> And then he decides to get on the microphone and say, yeah. after we've just ran this entire length of the airport, for those of you that are running through the airport for the Milwaukee flight number, blah, 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 it still hasn't gone. I thought, how, how, how could you not do that like a half an hour or 10 minutes before as I was running through the yep. thing? So, But then we actually waited there. We actually had to wait for our crew, the, the crew. flight crew. We were yep. waiting for the flight crew. Yep. That was probably another hour. Oh, at least that, two. So we actually didn't leave Denver until... I don't remember, 1 o'clock maybe? 1 o'clock? We, we because Milwaukee. we got to Milwaukee at around 3 a.m. 3, 3.30. Yeah. 3, so we finally crawled into our beds that morning at probably around 5. five. The sun was just coming up. Yeah. So, and, and then, not only is that a downer... But you remember we took the train to Columbus, and you're like, "Well, how, what happened in Milwaukee?" Well, Craig and John, before we left, had taken one of our vehicles to the airport so that we had a truck there when Waiting we landed, for us, yeah. and we took our car up to Columbus. So, granted, we were home, but then we set our alarm. We slept for five hours. We were up at ten, ten thirty, and then John and Craig got up. And they had to go get Craig's car Up in Columbus. Columbus. Yep. So, I mean, the trip still wasn't done. So, again, even though it was kind of cool, we went on a train and came home via an airplane. We still had to retract both of the vehicles. So, a little bit more logistic to to coordinate, but... It made that train ride just seem that much sweeter. You know? <laughs> like we probably could have went home if we would have just My picked goodness. up the train back and, and did... We probably could have got home... Into Columbus a little bit sooner than oh, all of that air yeah. travel. So I don't, want, I don't want to talk about it anymore. <laughs> that was just insane, stressful, tiresome, long. Yeah. I don't know how else to describe it. Yeah. So that was a little bit of a downer. Mm. And again, I think if you think about the entire trip overall, even though people might roll their eyes when we say this and we were out there for two weeks, just too many hikes, not enough time. I, I would have liked to gone on some more hikes because- I, I don't know if we'll never ever get back out there. Um, even though it's beautiful, it is absolutely beautiful. I just don't know if we'll get back out there to do those because there's so many other places I want to travel to. But at, at at the same time, if we were just doing it, even if if we were just doing it one time, you could stay out there a month and not hit all those heights. What, what's your what's the tipping point? I guess is the question. You know, we were out there almost two weeks. If we stay out there three weeks or four weeks, we'd still never. You'd still wouldn't see all the trails there to see, and at what point would you be kind of like, I don't say tired of it, but you'd be ready to come home, right? Because you're on right, vacation. At some point, you're ready to go do something else, or just get just get your butts home and, and get back to your day to day too. So, yeah. a little bit of a, I don't know, not fickle, but 
um, yeah, I, I hear you. I, I say I was the same way when we left. I'm like, oh, we we had a a list of a finite list of must do hikes, which we knew we couldn't get to all of them, but you knew we, we knew we were going to leave some behind. So there's always that uh, a bit of uh, sadness or regret. Yeah, so not not necessarily maybe a downer, just sad and regret. But we did really well with all of our planning, and I really enjoyed the hikes that we did and all of the experiences we had there because we even did. We didn't even talk about our whitewater rafting adventure and me being sucked out of a class three rapids and surviving. No, that was an adventure <laughs> in and of itself. We even got the photos to prove it. I know, but I stayed really calm. I was really proud of myself and I got back in and I was laughing. But yes, I got sucked out of a raft um, and to hang in out class or had to swim like a fish all the way through that rapid area. <laughs> that was really, I'll never forget that. That was yeah. really great. So, Not that I want to do that very often, but it was a great experience. So to put a to put a bow on that, if you guys are outdoorsy or just like hiking, um, we can't recommend it enough to get out the glacier. It's something you truly need to see at least once in your lifetime. Yep, yep. Just plan. All right. So enough of that. Um, how about other things? Let's let's talk a little pickleball. We mentioned pickleball earlier, so we've uh, did a couple more tournaments here in the last month or so. We want to recap those a little bit. Sure. I think we're still kind of finding our way as most people are, especially when they either do mixed doubles or women's doubles or men's doubles, just trying to figure out your partner, what's the best strategy. And especially, especially when that partner is your significant other. Yes. So we had one in Dixon, Illinois, and we usually always take two or three, because we like to travel, two or three long weekends down to Chicago, Illinois. And so since this particular pickleball tournament was in Dixon, I looked at Craig and said, well, why don't we just make this a weekend in Chicago? So that's what we did. We booked a hotel room for a Saturday night and drove down to Chicago and spent all day Saturday tootling around in Chicago um, and then actually got a hotel a little bit outside of Chicago in between Chicago and Dixon, um, stayed overnight and then ate a really good breakfast, got up and traveled to um, the tournament location, again, in Dixon. And this was an interesting type of tournament because it was 4-0 and above, but it wasn't just technically mixed doubles or women's doubles or men's doubles. I think doubles. they called it open doubles. Yeah. And we had never played in one of those types of tournaments before. So I we knew going in after we saw the player list that was sent to us that I think there was only two other teams that were male and female. The rest were males. Mm -hmm. And so I knew it would be tough, um, but there were certain things that Craig and I wanted to work on. And I, I think one of the ups, since this is our episode called Ups and Downs, was that we went into the first three games against really, really advanced men's doubles teams, um, and we held our own. I played really, really well. You played really, really well. I think, um, I think we, we lost them, but we lost like, it was like 11-9, 11-10, 11-9, super close. And we could have won all three of them. Yep, just, it was super close. And, and it was for it was probably, I was really happy with my mindset because, well, I was happy with my mindset at that particular point of the day because it'll switch because we battled it out and it was... They were good losses. I went off the court and I was like, I'm sad that we lost, but it was a nail biter and we played really, really yeah, well. Hold your head high. And then I, I was, yeah. 
And the fourth game we won, and, and from what we heard in hindsight, it was against a team we everybody thought we'd lose to. It they thought they were one of the best teams there, and we actually beat them. I mean, it was like eleven five or eleven six. We had. Well, I think it was like eleven four. Yeah, yeah I mean, good. it was. So that was really good. And then we get into so it was up, up, up. And, and then, then game I wouldn't even five. say down. It was like a crash, and it was a crash on my part. Um, I don't know why, but I have a uh, finicky. I don't even know what to call it, but I, for some reason, don't like people watching me play pickleball, <laughs> which it's a social sport, but in tournament play, I guess, in particular. So we went into this next match, and I bet it was only the first or second point in. I noticed that th there were spectators there at this tournament watching all of the play happening on the courts, but they were farther away in like bleacher stands, so that really didn't bother me. But it was we were playing against a mother and a son, and the father actually had set up right on the fence line. A chain link fence there. Uh, the iPhone or their... He had a gorilla pod, one of those little flexible tripods with a phone clamp. Yeah, and he, planted, he connected a phone to it and started re recording, our recording game. the whole match. And so that really, for some reason, um, just... You kind of flipped your lid. Yeah, well, it just switched something inside me. And I just spiraled downward um, because in my view... I wouldn't I wouldn't have had an issue had somebody told or asked, "Hey, can we um videotape your game?" Because when we have held the Firecracker Classic Mixed Doubles tournament here in Janesville, people have actually said to us as tournament directors, "They're videotaping us. We don't like that. Can you ask them to stop?" And so we we're trying to do a better job of saying, "If you want to do that, you have to ask the other players if that's okay." And they didn't even ask. I think if I think back and I don't want to say ruminate about it a little bit more or dissect it or analyze it maybe is a better word. I guess it's the point that they just assumed it was okay and didn't ask if that was all right with us. Or didn't care. We don't, they didn't care. Just yeah. like, hey, I'm going to do this. I really don't care what you think or feel. Um, that really bothered me. And when you get little things inside of your head like that, it really does affect your play. And I'm really trying to work on that mindset of just having all of those external factors not impact me, but it's, for those of you that are listening, you're probably nodding your head. It's really, really hard. It's something we or I want to continually work on. And I wasn't great at it that day. I will admit I sucked. Um, it put me in a spiral and it put us in a spiral. And that's the part I'm really sad about is, is that when I went down, I took you down with me and we just lost the rest of the game's um, pretty handily. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't great. great. The, rest of the way. So it was a very quiet ride home. <laughs> yes and well, yeah, yes and no. And they, so we talked about an up that we held our own for a while. The down was the whole phone video and you know what that um, uh, created in terms of a dynamic and mindset. And yes, it was a rough rest of the afternoon in terms of pickleball play. And and the ride home did start quiet, but you did a great job. No, that's not, you did a great job. The up on that part that he's there. not going to, um, that we're trying to do better at, that he probably won't um, pat himself on the back, but I will pat you on the back. You are trying to do a better job of saying, pickleball is in our life. It's just one facet of what we do. Mm -hmm. You know, we kayak, we vacation, you know, we read, we do all this other stuff. Pickleball is just one component of our life and it doesn't, 
it shouldn't be that big of a factor when we have a down day. And you did a really great job of trying to tell me that on the ride home. But I think I was still so, it was so close. I wasn't ready to hear that. The but wound you, was still fresh. Yes, thank you. I yeah. was trying to figure out what that was, but the wound was still fresh. And yeah. I, even though it was very sweet of you to try to get me out of that hole, I was still really deep down in that hole. Yeah, you were and I was struggling. Just, I was really struggling. Yeah. But you were trying to be very, very supportive, which is what you're trying to work on. Yeah, no, I... um. I don't know much more to to add to that. Um, it was a bit of a lesson learned. I think you kind of ended it there with the ride home, but I think it act, it actually continues on over the next week or so. I think we kept talking about we kept that talking and we about kept it. bringing it up in a, in a good way, and really kept um, focusing on that. The where fickable sits in our lives. Yes, we talk about it all the time. Yes, we we're kind of annoying with it some days because we we're love addicts, it so much. We yes. play all the time. Blah blah blah. All that said, as much as we love it, and as much as we we uh, also dedicate a chunk of our life to it. It is just that it's a chunk. It's not us that defines us. I am just as happy going for a walk with you, or going for a bike ride, or going for a cool, some cool food somewhere. Just whatever it is, taking it, just taking a road trip somewhere. That that counts as much, if not more, than pickleball. So at some point, there's there's going to be good days and bad days, going to be ups and downs to pick up just to pickleball itself. During the downs, you know, we get through it, we keep it in its place. I, I struggle with that too. We both do because we 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 want to do as well as we can. We think we can do better, especially when we're not doing well and when you're not doing well, and that gets kind of headbutt. That starts to headbutt with where you think you should be doing. You get you can get really frustrated really fast. And again, being a team sport, doubles being a team sport, and your doubles partner is your significant other, it's tricky sometimes to not cross that boundary between hey, we're struggling as a pickleball team versus we're struggling as a couple. Yeah, that's a good way to say it. It, it sounds really so easy is. to not do that, but it it it. Oh, ain't, in in reality, it's very hard. We work grammar. on it every day. <laughs> yeah. So, anyways, um, so yeah, it, again, it was a good good lesson to have in our hip pocket for going forward, and something we were building on. Right? Yeah. You always you were, we're, put, we're laying down some of that rubble that we're going to build a foundation on, and it's, just, it's never going to stop. We're always going to be working on that. Yeah. So then we fast forward, and then in two weeks, we got in the car and went to another pickleball tournament. We had registered for the PPA inaugural Kansas City was um, tournament. It was in actually Overland Park, and that was South another- side of Kansas City. Yeah, it was a road trip for us, which we really, really love. I think that kind of grounds us- it up. Was yeah, it grounds our- us from where what we, what we started dating as. We would always get in the car and just drive- and for us, and this was an eight-hour car ride, and you and I were like, cool. You know, yeah. a lot of people would be like, ugh, eight well, I talked to my peers at work, and they're like, you're going to sit for eight hours in a car and with your husband? drive through Illinois and Kansas and Missouri? And I'm like, yeah, I'm so psyched. They thought I was nuts. But <laughs> it goes back to 10 years ago where we just, like I said, got in the car, and we just enjoy talking to each other. And we actually had some – so that was an up for us. But Very we actually so. had some epiphanies um, – related to that mindset um, that you actually shared with me going down as we were about ready to enter this tournament. Yeah, you got me. I can't remember what they are. <laughs> I'm looking at you going, you had crap, me, what were they? I'll, I'll, I'll tease it out so that you can share. You oh, we're making actually this a game, had are we? me okay, great. send, or you actually had me watch a video from the coach you really like okay. and said, I'm so sorry I've been doing this. I'm going to really try. 
Oh, just yeah. Okay, so about being a good partner. Yeah. Um, and again, keeping it keeping it light, not get too serious. If your partner makes some mistakes, or you're struggling as a team, whether doesn't matter who's making the mistakes, to not get down. It sounds almost cliched, but stay positive, stay folk, or stay stay uh, stay upbeat, stay. Let's let's fight. Let's go through this. All right, to the through the end. If you don't win, don't win. That's it. Yeah. But don't getting down on yourself or um. Your your teammates, your partners, just does no good whatsoever. It just well, I think that's not just in pickleball, anchor. and and I don't share all that. I didn't really mean to pinpoint you, Craig, because it's something I'm working on too. But I think if you take that context out of pickleball and apply it to those listeners out there that are just talking about their marriage, I think one thing that I've taken away with pickleball is that, and most people know this, I think but don't necessarily analyze is that each other's behavior affects each other. Like Mm -hmm. when you're down, even like this morning, you played, you were down, you were unhappy with two of your shots, but I saw that and then it got me down. And so I think how we respond on the pickleball court or how we respond in, in our marriage and in daily life um, if we just took a step back and realized how much of an impact that has on the other partner, we would maybe choose different ways to respond. Not just your partner, but yourself. It's the whole, it's not a few, how many times you fall down, it's whether you get back up. Yeah. And how you get back up matters. Yep. And so, again, I'll do a shout out to Vivian David, one of the pro pickleball players on the women's side. I try to emulate her. She will make a mistake and she'll hop up and down like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I made that mistake. And she's smiling. I, I, I want to do that because it's just pickleball. I, I can make a bad shot. That doesn't mean I'm a bad pickleball player. I think it gives us better resilience to other opponents too. Because if you get down or you get, as a person, or you get down as a team, the other team can sense that. We, can, we sense that with other players too when they're frustrated or flustered. We feel like we can pounce. We, get, we even get more emboldened to attack or to play stronger and that works both ways. If you're doing the same thing and pouting or grumping and whatever and are frustrated, visibly frustrated. The other teams can sense that. A, they're going to come at you, at you individually. But B, this is going to get way, way more confident in what they're doing, and it it uh, multiplies, not in a good way. Yeah. So it was an up um, that we got in the car and drove eight hours. Yeah. Um, we got up really early, though. We got up. I think we're hitting the road from Janesville at uh, three a.m. and another up. Because we got up so early. Yeah, why did we get up at 3 a.m.? Or why because did we get up at 2 and get on the road at 3? I wanted to see some of the mixed pro that was the day um, that we were driving. So if, in mixed my pros on planning, yeah. because I'm such a good planner, I figured if we could get on the road by 3, we would be able to still get into Kansas City and see some of the mixed pro play that was happening on Friday. So um, that was really um, an exciting time because we actually got to watch – three or four really good matches um, on Friday, which wouldn't have happened had we got on the road like at eight o'clock in the morning. So I thank you for that, for getting up early and driving because I know it was quite early, but we had a couple of cups of coffee along no, the way. No, it was great. Um, yeah. And the timing was well too, because we got there right when the play was really picking up, though it was super hot. If we had that heat that heat, heat wave. wave. It was like 104, 105 out there that day. So it was pretty warm. Just you're standing there, just sweat running down your back as you're just standing still watching other people play pickleball. I couldn't imagine how those pros did that all day long on, the, on that No, day. but it we got crazy. to sit with some of the pros and have conversations with them. That yeah. was really, really cool. Yeah. If you guys ever get a chance to go to like a PPA or an APP tournament, 
the pros are really cool and that they're very accessible. Like there's, if there's usually a common seating shaded areas just to kind of hang out and rest your legs for both spectators and players, but you'll be sitting there and a pro of some name or a group of them will come down, sit right next to you and just start talking to them and they just hobnob with you. Not to say that they don't have their own little space because the pros do in the VIP sections, they have their own little tent that they could go in. But some of them, like what we experienced at Kansas City, they, a lot of them sat right there. We were having conversations with Kyle Yates and Bobby Oshiro. Mm -hmm. And it was awesome. it, It was really cool. And the one thing that was a really up moment is my introvert husband actually started a conversation with our favorite announcer, Dave Fleming. And one of the things we've noticed as we've gone to some of these other PPA tournaments is you can't see the announcers anymore. They used to be courtside all the time. You could see them you could, you could watch them watching the action, then commenting on it and gesturing and whatnot. But yeah, the last few of them. We've looked and said, where are they? Like, you can't see them. Like, are they behind the DJ? Where are they? And so Craig asked Dave that. And then Dave looked at Craig and, and a said. a little smile. And he goes, you want to see? Like, and I was like, yeah. oh, crap. <laughs> yeah. So he's like, okay, come on. So we were walking through the venue. And he took us to this trailer. And at some point as we're walking... He's saying to other people, oh, I'll be with you in a minute. I'm taking my new friends to the production trailer. So he actually, he's like, put your phones off. You know, we can't have any noise in here or any rings. And he opened up the door and he said, this is where we are now. And it was so cool. There's the big wall of TVs and there were several production staff there um, switching cameras between the two championship courts and then updating the scoring across all courts. In the live, in a live web web feed, and yeah, and, was, and he was really whispering like she's like she's doing the commentary. There were two right people now, doing, yeah, but that's championship court. That's one. what she's doing. Yep. It was just really such a a VIP access moment that we would have never had had you not like started a conversation yeah. with him, honey. And it I was so proud of you. Worked to do out that. well. And you even got a selfie, an obligatory with selfie Dave with him inside the trailer. So that was kind of yeah, cool. Yeah, I love the way he comments on pickleball. He's so good. So that whole day was a very much an up. Yeah. And then uh, um, next day was Saturday. It was men's and women's doubles. And we, we that day we had bought um, courtside seats to guarantee access to the championship of courts. So we got our butts there super early. I think it started at 10. We were there by like 8.30. Yeah, just to make sure that we had a good seat. Yeah, good seats. But then we spent the like literally the entire day sitting in our seats just watching the championship of court and watching all these pros come in and, and play each other, which is always so cool because – it's hard to explain as much as you play pickleball or watch other people play just to watch the pros do what they do and how they do it and the the smoothness of their moves and their and their uh their tactics and then the speed and the hand speed and the um the chaos when they really get after it. it's just it's it's quite if you're into pickleball at all it is quite the show and worth the price of admission to get in there yeah because some people are like well didn't you already pay to get into the tournament and and yes, we did. And like we went and watched some of the mixed pro on Friday and we did didn't have to pay. Those are on side courts. But those are on side courts, like you just said. And for those that championship court, it is an extra fee, but those are where the best players are and it is worth That's where the it. TV I'm, streaming is held. I'm, I'm and, telling you, yeah. it's worth the extra money to be able to be that up close and personal. But check out the venue. Because, for example, like I would probably not ever pay for championship court seats in Las Vegas because Las Vegas, their venue, the spectators are so far away. That it's just the way the venue is situated. It's, it's in a more of a tennis facility. So they put a pickleball court in the middle of a tennis court footprint and the, and the seating is permanent 
to where the end of the tennis courts are. So you get automatically an extra, I don't know, what's the number, 10, 20 feet of just oh, dead airspace from the seating to the court. So it looks like it's a mile away compared to a lot of other places where like Kansas City, like right on top, like literally we were right on top like of them. eight feet away from the from the sidelines of the court. It was just amazing. So check out the venue. But again, those championship court tickets um, for the entire day was really well worth it. But we sat there and that was a, a big high for us, but our stomach started growling. And so I looked at him and I said, let's go eat. <laughs> and so where do we go eat? Well, where else would you go eat in Kansas City after watching pickleball tournament all day? Chicken and pickle. <laughs> to one of the chicken and pickle. I think it's one of the, I don't know if it's the original, but it's one of the core locations of that franchise. And uh, that was actually, again, talking about ups and downs, that was very much an up. I wasn't sure what to expect. I, uh, I, I guess I always pictured it being more about the pickleball and the kind of the food and the ambiance would come second. Like it's, oh, it's kind of a novelty food. thing was, would be the big draw would be playing pickleball in a restaurant and the food would be very secondary, but not the case. Oh, the food was just amazing. Yeah. No, the food, and drinks too. It, it, we, we, oh we yeah. Said, our drinks were really good too. We actually hung out at the, at the bar area and just ate there and it was, it was just phenomenal between, between the food and the service was really, really good. And not to mention, you know, we sat at the bar and ate and drank, but the televisions had the, pickleball tournament on the so we, yeah. we literally left the pickleball courts it was not even a five minute drive to the chicken and pickle we were eating and saw what we had just left right in front of us on the big screen so it was like we had never even left courtside and it was kind of funny because as we we're watching it we watched one match end and like five and this place is like five minutes from the from the pickleball venue and quite literally five minutes after a team won the one of the, the male player of the team that won walked in through the front door and i was like craig what is he doing here? I mean, obviously he's getting food. But, he's, but like, he had another match yet. It was he had another match, to get to like, the semifinals. And and so you know me, I'm I'm not shy. I walk right up to him and I'm like, "Hey, great match!" And he's like looking at me. I'm like, "We just saw you at the television on the bar win." But I'm like, "Shouldn't you go back?" He's like, "Well, we're playing those players, so that'll be another half an hour match." I had to come here and get food. I'm <laughs> like, "Kind of funny." <laughs> okay, good luck in your next match. He's like, okay, thanks. It was just a, Again, very personable. Personable, but it's a slightly surreal moment because you're watching them on TV and like literally five minutes later, they walk through the front door of where you're sitting. They order food, they eat, and then they leave. And then five minutes later, after that, they're back on TV yeah. watching at the court. So it was kind of cool. It It'd be just... like watching Aaron Rodgers, or being a Packer fan, watching Aaron, Rock, Aaron Rodgers like get to halftime, go to the locker room, and then he pops out inside of a... Uh, uh, Applebee's here in yeah. Wisconsin and grabs food. food and then he goes back out and he plays the second half. It's kind of what it is analogous to. It was just an odd, funny moment. So yeah, very much yeah. An up there. And then um, I think another part of our up on that day was after we had our bellies full, we wanted to kind of prep for um, our part of the tournament was actually on Sunday. So this was Saturday night. We actually went back to the courts after yeah. we ate and uh, found a couple of open courts and played a couple of good um, games really against good games. really good games against um, some really good people, but it got us used to the court and what the courts were like because we hadn't played yet and pickleball the, on that, the courts and that ball. So oh, uh, I hate that ball. We'll talk about this more here shortly. But so all the bigger tournaments use what's called the Dura Ace Onyx Dura Ace ball versus most people play with what's called the Franklin X Forty. So pickleball to me has a ball problem in that there's probably a dozen God, there's at least a dozen different balls that are all quote-unquote approve or play but they all play completely different yeah some are bouncier some are squishier some yep. are whatever and 
the Duraf the Durafast are probably one of the hardest, fastest playing balls. We did get some good time in to get used to that, in addition just to getting some pickleball time in, too, because we've been literally sitting on our butt for two days between driving to Kansas City, watching the Friday mix, and then sitting all day Saturday watching the men's and women's. Yeah, it felt good to stretch our yeah. legs and have some really good play. And then um, we packed it up because we knew that we had to get up early the next morning and yeah. play our tournament. Yeah, so come Sunday, it's been a lot of ups here so far in Kansas City. Here's the down part. <laughs> So they came to the Sunday morning. We played our tournament, and we played in the four zero mixed doubles. And this can't. We reason one of the reasons we played the Kansas City tournament, in addition to being drivable, and didn't have to like make big plans. We just drive out there. Um, it's what's called a, a golden ticket event, um, which gets you to nationals. So at the end of the year in November, the USA Pickleball Association holds the nationals or national championships every year in November. And to get there, there's a couple of different paths. The long road is there's a couple of different tiers of tournaments you have to win. So you have to win like a tier one tournament and then win what's called the Diamond Regional, which is the tier two. Once you win that, you get your ticket to nationals. There's probably eight-ish yeah, tournaments sprinkled throughout the year that are called golden ticket tournaments, where if you just win that tournament, you win your bracket for that tournament, you get literally a golden ticket to go to nationals in November. So we thought, and this was one of them. And it was really the only one that was super close other than there's one in Michigan, but it never works out timing-wise for us. We thought, okay, let's give it a shot. Yeah. Um, the problem with this being a golden ticket qualifier was, as many of you who play pickleball know, there's a lot of sandbagging that goes on. And there were because it was a golden ticket qualifier, a lot of higher-level players actually played down. They played down. We, and we chose not to look at player ratings, like duper ratings of our opponents before we played. We just want to go out there and play and not get that let, let that get in our head again we were trying to not have that negative mindset yeah. and just have a clean slate going in and we didn't so we waited till after and after we after that we looked up some of the players we played against and we're like oh my god why are you in a four row tournament <laughs> it's kind of and so funny. we didn't play so to, yeah, as well as with, we wanted we, to oof, yeah we didn't um, play great at all but you know i think it was a good learning lesson um and i know what we need to do forward and and playing in a you know when you when you don't do so well in a tournament y you get down on yourself and you think oh we're not we're not a good team we're not formidable we're not you know good at what we thought we were we are the critical it's, talk that self pity talk it's oh, we, it's yeah. because i think you get into your heads a little bit more even though we're really trying not to it's a tournament you're tight you even said like I hit three balls out that I had the whole court there, and I just you're nervous, you're too anxious. wound up, and just, you're too yeah. And coupled with that dura that dura fast ball, I barely got to touch it, and if you're all jacked up, you more, way more than touch it, you you know really whack it, and just and, not even. Close. And our bracket started at seven? seven, and we actually got there at six thirty with it in mind that we wanted at least one warm up game, yeah, because that makes us play better. We didn't even have time for that. They literally called us at 6.50 and said, you're starting your first one. It wasn't even that. It was like 6.40. Like we, literally so after we, we got there, they, we got texted I was saying, a little disappointed that we got there early and we couldn't even get one in. They yeah. forced us to start playing right away. So. It was like almost dark yet and we're starting the tournament. Like, okay. Okay. I, I just yeah. got like two dinks over and, and- Here we go. Here we go. Yeah. Let's go. But that said, we did not play our best. We just no. didn't. And and that's okay. Um, tournaments are a different beast in and of itself. But- um, but yeah, that was a little bit of a downer, but the ride Over, home was okay. Overall, a great weekend. Yep. Again, it's just one part of an entire Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Yeah. So just one small part of a great, great weekend. Yep. So what's the third thing we're going to talk about besides Montana, 
our pickleball tournaments, and part of our ups and downs. Well, it's something that gets woven into all of that. And I think almost every episode we've talked about too. And comes We're going to name it though. Come back to us. It comes back to us as a couple. And it's something we like to call our marital ghosts. So um, if you haven't listened to our earlier podcast, um, this is Craig and I's second marriage. Um, I was married um, with two children with the father of my kids for 12 years. And I was married um, with three kids with their mom for 14 years, the first go around. And to kind of give you some um, dynamic as to how long Craig and I have been together, we're approaching our nine-year wedding anniversary in October of 2023. So just two months away. Um, been together for a decade, um, but with those educational marriages that we tend to call them, um, we carry some ghosts with us, and hence why we, we've we named them our marital ghosts, because I think part of the psychology is that we have to give it a name so that we can communicate better with one another when things come up. But um, we have had a few difficult weeks here mm-hmm. with some triggers um, you say ghost triggers, demons. Yeah. And we've had name. some issues and some trouble handling them um, because it seems to be that Craig's ghosts and my ghosts, they pass in the wind. And if you've ever seen that movie, The Perfect Storm, um, when they pass in the wind, they really do create um, a tornado. A tornado. <laughs> um, I don't want to say within the household. It just. We're trying to get better at, I'm trying to get better at, I'll speak for myself, I'm trying better at recognizing why I'm upset. That was a trigger, but because usually you think, oh, it's because he did this. But then when you really sit and think about it, it's because, oh no, that, what he did made me feel X. And that's really what was the trigger. It wasn't that he did whatever he did. It was how it made me feel, which is what a, what happened in my first marriage all the time and it really it has created some trauma for me and for me i think i'm i'm let's say better i think i'm pretty good at identifying what the person did and how it was making me feel where i struggle is taking what's make sorry let me rephrase that where i struggle is not saying i'm feeling this way i almost make that my identity like i am i'm not feeling sad i I, instead, I say I am. I don't say, but I feel. I, I become sad. I am sad. It becomes who I am. Or if I'm upset or feeling lonely, it's I'm. I am lonely. Not I'm just feeling lonely. Right. It's hard for me to compartmentalize the feeling versus my entire reality. Yeah. The truth. And and not to get specific, but both of our triggers are around being left. Yeah. Um. That's a good and way to say so. It. Um, when something happens and we feel like we're left behind or left out, left out, um, that really is our trigger. Like, like an example would be like, um, like for me being left behind socially, like someone, like if Lisa were to just go take off and go do her own thing in a social setting, I, again, I'm not the most social, um, type A person. And it's not that I'm, I don't want to say I'm clingy. I don't think I'm clingy at no, all. No, you're not I'm pretty, clingy at all. pretty comfortable in my own skin. But if I'm put in a social situation, I'd, I, it's very easy for me to feel like, well, you brought me here, but now I'm, I'm kind of left to 
do my own thing and I can do my own thing. I just don't want to. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to be there in the first place half the time. So if I get felt like I'm just like, oh, I'm brought here and now I'm just kind of like put set aside, that that's a that's a strong uh, ghost or trigger for me. Yeah, and a good example for me is um you you had made um a unilateral, you know, a decision this past weekend and it wasn't necessarily when I sat back and analyzed and it, again, you're better at this. It took me a while to sit down and say to myself, why am I feeling like this? It wasn't necessarily the fact of the decision you made. It was the fact that I felt left out of that decision-making process and communicating with each other about, hey, I feel like we should do this instead this weekend. What are your thoughts on that? And this is the reason why. That that part of the conversation never happened and it was no one's fault. You don't do this stuff very often and you don't do it with malice behind. And I know that yeah. where my previous marriage might have done that. I I needed to recognize that I felt left out. That was my trigger. Um, and I needed to identify that a little bit better and communicate that with you um, because it it created that, that tsunami um, between us. And that's the part that probably two days later, we started really communicating. And I said, I'm sorry, I, I've taken some time to really think about what why I got so upset. And it wasn't about that. It was because of being feeling left out. But the trouble, our trouble yet still is that you, you just said it earlier, after a couple of days, like we literally lost an entire weekend here because and of we this. don't want that, and we're so tired of that because you get to the, you get you get to the reconciliation phase. I guess I'll call it any argument, and the the part that I I almost get mad, mad about, like we just literally away two maybe three days. They're gonna have to bleep out that p word, you That's know. Fine, um, <laughs> I'll be bleeping it. I'll be editor. The I'll bleep it out. Um, but we just literally wasted. It's wasting time. That is a uh, that is an instant irritant of mine because you know we're not spring chickens anymore, yeah. and I, I really appreciate our time with you, or my time with you, because between work and kids, we, we have a very finite amount of it between the day to day, but then also just looking ahead, I feel like clock ticking, and so to be arguing about some some stuff that, as usual, in the end, seems kind of not silly, but smaller than with what you thought it was when you started arguing or getting getting into a bad spot. Um, man, it just makes me like. Well, a wise, my teeth. a wise person has given me two chunks of nuggets, I'll call them, um, that I've really tried to live by because I, I can remember them when we, when we first got together, we, we would, you know, have our disagreements and it, that reconciliation that you talked about might not happen until a week later. I would say within the last six to nine months, we've really turned that around to a day. Um, because we both recognize that the clock is ticking. There's improvement there. There yes, is really improvement. Saying, yeah. So I don't want people to think, I mean, we've come a long, long way, but it's taken a lot, a lot of work. But the two things that I keep in the back of my mind is someone once told me, is this serving you, Lisa? Does this serve you? And when I say no to that, I'm very quick to come to Craig and say, okay, I shouldn't have cared about that so much. It really doesn't serve me. Let's just move on. I'm sorry. I love you. And the other little bit of advice that this person gave me was, I can't, I got to stop looking in the rear view mirror because all of those triggers are our marital ghosts, as we call them. That's in their rear view. I know you are Craig. I know you love me. You are not my past. And I have got to stop looking in that rear view mirror and letting it affect my future 
life and my future days with you. Stop applying labels based on past experience and to current events. Yeah. Yep. I, I'm the same. I'm the same. same Not boat. that this is a, you know, a counseling session, but we, we've really tried to be better. Oh, this is some self-induced therapy. Everybody's just got to listen to it. Yeah, I know. Sorry for all of you that's like, what's the next thing they're going to talk about? Because let's just clip this, this getting part uncomfortable out. people. <laughs> but again, part of our podcast was to talk about the good, the bad, the ugly, because I think a lot of people, the, people don't talk about this openly out there on podcasts about things that are difficult in their marriage and and how we've struggled and how we're trying to get better because I think everybody thinks on social media that everyone's life is just uh, you know a fantastic vacation Everything or is awesome. everything's yeah. awesome or this is what we're doing and you know that's not real life it really isn't um people might look at us and go oh they got their mm together well I'm telling you right now we don't always have our mm together no, and we brought it and up it's here. Okay. We brought it up here because we talk about some of these downs that we've mentioned in, in previous episodes too, and it, it goes back to this a lot of times. Just that that dynamic, like the the triggers, the uh, weaknesses we still have individually, and then with each other. That again, we're working on them and trying to improve them, but it 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 cross it crosses the line. It goes from between pickleball and and uh, and being uh, a couple. Um, it goes between traveling or dealing with other people and being a couple it, it it's 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 always there in the end i always look at the man that's sitting across from me right now and say i love this man i wouldn't spend any of my other days without him and he's too valuable to waste another day or a minute on and that has really helped me personally move forward faster um because life is too short and maybe that's just with age um, that I've gotten a little wiser. I wish I would have had that at the age of 25, but you are worth working at. And I wish more people would work harder at their relationships because I want you to think back to what you fell in love with. Yeah, That's still there. It just might be a little bit over. This, you're going to look at me weird. I don't know why this popped in my head, but just what I just thought it was, a, I think I'll call it a meme I saw on, I don't know where it was, Facebook or, or threads or whatever, but all it said was, um, humble enough to know I'm replaceable, cocky enough to know it's a downgrade. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. That's really good. I don't know why that just popped in my head. I just can picture I'm reading it in my brain right now. So Yeah. But I want to work on it with you. Yeah. Same here, honey. Yep. So looking ahead. Yeah. End of counseling yeah. stuff in there. <laughs> Thank we'll you go everybody on to for what, plowing through that with us. What, what's, what's ahead for us in the next uh, month? Oh, geez. Look, travel and pickleball. Ooh, two of our favorite things. <laughs> yeah, right. um, so coming up in here in September in this this month, we there's a new pickleball, indoor pickleball facility opening uh, south of us here in Rockford called Victory Pickleball. Victory Pickleball. And technically it's in Loves Park, but it's just a suburb of Rockford, but it's called Victory Pickleball. So they're hosting a grand opening tournament end of this month. So we've signed up for that a couple different ways. So you and I are doing mix like we tend to do. Yeah. Um, but we've been trying to branch out a little bit and maybe do some more men's and women's. We really haven't done a lot of that to date. We're trying to mix and match with some other players just to A, try it. So we're not always playing with each other to get some better, more well-rounded experience. Not better, more well-rounded yeah, exper tournament well -rounded. experience. And so we're playing with a couple that lives in the northern part of Wisconsin that run a, a pickleball club organization and they, they host tournaments. They're, they're kind of very... Well, kind of a mirror of us in a lot of ways. Oh, they kind of are. We, they we, are. And we met them playing against them in a tournament earlier this year. In the year? Quad Cities. Yeah, earlier that, that in 2023. Okay. Yeah. And we just kind of hit it off, started talking to them. Hi, and, Brian. Hi, Kim. Yeah. I found out we had a lot in common. 
in this stuff. So um, they're they're coming down. I think they have family. They have family, by. I think, in northern Illinois. So they're yeah. going to get a hotel and the dates worked out for them. Yeah. So I'm going to play with Kim in women's doubles and you're going to play with Brian in yeah. men's doubles. And then I think then we're playing against them like, actually in mixed doubles then too. Oh, the are we? Oh, yeah. Have you I looked, looked at them, the yeah. bracket? Oh, yeah. oh, that'll be good because so, we had a really good match the last time we played. So we that'll, be, that'll and, be awesome. Well, it's kind of cool because we watch the pros and you watch these pros and they'll, they'll play with each other in um, women's or men's. But then as soon as they get to mixed... Or vice versa, then they're against each other. They get to singles. So it's funny how the pros, again, they keep professional. They, they play with somebody and they're trying to kick butt together. But then literally the next day, they're trying to, to um, Beat eliminate each other too yep. at the same time. So that'll be kind of that same dynamic with us. It'll be kind of uh, yeah. interesting so to see I'm, how that goes. That'll be fun with them. And then uh, the first week in October, you and I are traveling to, well, I'm bringing you along, feet dragging because it's another airplane Plus ride. Plus one, yeah. Yeah, um, to Palm Springs, California. I'm going to speak at a national conference um, about what I do. I, I do um, fundraising. And of course, my tagline for major gifts is how pickleball strategies can help you with major gift success. So um, of course, I had to interweave pickleball in there because there's a lot of similarities. So we're going to go um, hopefully teach some people um, how Things in pickleball can also translate into the fundraising world. Yep. And I'm coming along again as a plus one, the, the hotel and rental car covered by your work. So I'm going out there and work remotely for the week. And, and then, find some pickleball. And of course, we have it being we're in, we're in Indian uh, Wells. Indian Wells, which has got huge pickleball uh, facilities out there. So we're going to give, we're gonna see if we can find some good play out there too. Just again, just trying to uh, expand our horizons. Yeah. And mix and match and play with more places with more players. That's always, that's one of our favorite things to do. Yeah, we had such a great experience with Two Rivers in Montana, so hopefully we can find a pickleball club. And obviously there are outdoor facilities there at Indian yeah. Wells that yeah. we can have a good time with. We'll obviously be putting our pickleball paddles in our suitcases. And we'll be my, sure to report back how that, how that goes here when we, when we get back as well. Yeah. So that's what's on the docket. Yeah, anything else on no, just thanks for listening, and hopefully you've learned a few things here uh, with our ups and downs episode and, and take something away and improve your life a little bit. Yeah, everybody, thank you very much for listening. We always appreciate it. Um, have a good rest of your uh, of your day, week, month. Next time we'll, we'll, we'll uh, talk to you again. Yeah, talk to you soon. Bye now. Bye now.